0: Hey everybody, welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. Well, it's good to be here. I'm Pastor Bob, if you're new with us. Uh, We have Pastor Char, my wife. She spoke last night. And uh, Pastor Abby and Pastor Jake, uh, they just came from their mission trip down to Florida. Uh, They were preaching to the seashells and the the sun. So, yeah, I was praying for them the whole time. Oh, God, protect them while they're there enjoying themselves, eating too much. You know, you don't want to overeat when you're on those kind of trips. Did you guys have fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah was it good? Yeah. Was the weather warmer than here? A little bit, A little bit yeah. Where were, where were, you know, the rest of us, we were here. Um, so there was this guy. Come on. Speaking of Florida... This guy had a call of God. He was a young man, had a call of God to go to Africa. How many want to go to Africa? Amen. I want to go. I want to go to the continent of Africa, you know? So this guy's a young man. He's called to Africa, and he's wrestling with that. Finally, he just abandons it. He listens to his friends, and he says, ah, you're not ready. You need to live life first. So he goes, and he wins a raffle, and he, he wins this fishing trip down to Florida all by himself, so he flies down on a plane and gets down to Florida, and he's just living it up on the beach and, and uh, drinking and too much and doing things he shouldn't do, and, and then he gets on his little boat, and he goes out into the Gulf there, and he's fishing away, and he doesn't know what he's doing too much, and a big old wave comes, hits the boat, flips the boat upside down, and uh, he's terrified. He knows there's creatures in the water, you know, the alligators along the shore there and, and things, and... And there he is, he's a half mile out away from shore and he's bobbing around, beautiful sunny day and he's, he's bobbing around and he's starting to think about his life, you know. And he's, oh God, you know, maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll serve you in, in Africa, God. And he's floating around and he's thinking, man, if I could just get to the beach, he's about 300, 400 yards off and, and he starts repenting. He's, oh God, oh God, help me get back. Oh God. And, and a wave starts pushing him towards shore, and, and he's repenting, he, "Oh God, I'll do whatever you." And, and all of a sudden the water calms down, and, and uh, he's thinking, "This isn't so bad." And he sees a man walking along the beach and he says, "Hey!" And the guy says, "Hey, what?" He goes, "Are there still alligators out in this water?" Guy yells, he goes, "No, there hasn't been alligators out here all season." No alligators? No alligators. So he's sitting there, hanging on to dear life and on this thing. He's scared to death of the water. And he thinks, snakes! So he yells out, are there any snakes out here? No, there's no snakes out here. There hasn't been snakes out here all season. Are you sure? Sure. He starts thinking about his commitment he just made with God. (laughs) It's like, "I I think it's okay. I don't know if I'm ready for this. So he jumps in the water and he starts swimming. He gets about 200 yards offshore, and a wave hits him in the face, and he kind of startles him, and he, he, he comes up to the top, and he sees that same guy walking along the shore. He says, hey, what'd you guys do with all those alligators and snakes? He goes, we didn't do nothing. He goes, what'd you do? He said, all those sharks ate them." Looks around, there's fins all the way around him. He goes, Africa it is. (laughs) You ever been there? (laughs) Um, uh, Last week we talked about supernatural financial provision. We're going to talk about that again today. I think it's something that we really need. Wouldn't you agree? How many have so much that, uh, I mean, you're, if God gave you another dollar, you'd just like throw up. <laughs> okay, no one's raising their hands. Okay. No, we all have things in our life that we could use a little more provision for, I think. And we are already blessed in this country. And uh, I had a, a man that's very studied um, he told me, he said, America is the only nation where the poor people are healthy. Isn't that something? That's interesting. We are blessed beyond our dreams, and we don't even know it. Uh, I remember being in, Af- in Africa, in, in uh, Haiti. I was down in Haiti, and people... Sometimes parents will forego eating for two or three days just so their kids can have one meal a day. Isn't that something? That kind of changes the perspective just a little bit. So we should stop for a moment and say, first of all, God, we thank you for simple provision. We thank you for simple provision. We thank you for heat. We thank you, Father, for food. We thank you for drinkable water. We thank you, God, for vehicles whether they're rusty or not, whether they go slow or they go fast. Randy? (laughs) It's an inside joke. Uh, But simple provision. Let's do that again. Say, Lord, Lord, I thank you, you, first of all, all, for for simple provision. Amen. I want to start with that. But many times, even this... This time of year, uh, people can get into depression. It should be the happiest time of year, but statistically, it can become very lonely. It can become very empty. Because of all times, if there's ever a time to be happy, it should be Christmas and New Year's. And it's like those things begin to, those feelings on the inside begin to be magnified. That, that stuff is drawn out and people get very depressed and even suicidal. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, so that sense of, of poverty, lack, all those things can really be magnified this time of year. So first of all, Lord, we thank you for simple provision. It's, it's really hard to get grumpy as an American when you just sit there and count your blessings. You know what I'm saying? Just start where you're at and say, God, thank you for socks. One has a hole, but one doesn't. Praise God. Someday I'll have two pairs. But you start counting your blessings, and pretty soon in that process, you come out of negative thinking. What I'd like to open up today, I'm going to open up the Scriptures but I want to open up faith for supernatural provision. As Christians, we do not live in the natural box. As Christians, we do not live in the natural box. And sometimes I start to move into that box and the Lord will rebuke me sternly and He says, you, you weren't designed for that. You weren't designed for that. If you want to live there, your life's going to be very small. I want you on the edge where it's scary but my provision is there. Oh, right. 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 Yeah. Good. Amen. Good. S- say supernatural provision. Supernatural. Now, here's a $20 bill. All the young people are like, give it to me. $20. Did you know that if you, if you have a newborn baby... And grandma and grandpa come over and they give you $500 to put into a mutual fund for that child. By the time, I think it's, what is it, 30 years? 30 years, they'll have $700,000. Isn't that insane? It's how you look at a 20. Some people look at a 20 and you see a cheeseburger and fries. (laughs) You're like, wow, I'd like to eat that, Woo! And there's nothing wrong with that, that's good. But we have to have balance. And other people, entrepreneurs see a 20 and they're thinking, what I could do with that. A kingdom minded persons, they say even something greater than that. They say, I know a need in the mission field and the dividends on that investment are so life-changing that when I invest that 20 into that mission account, like, like Julius Marar over in India, trying to feed kids. The Bible says, when I give to the poor, I actually give to God. I loan to God. <laughs> and he pays back great interest. So it, it depends on what you see when you look at money. It depends on what you see. What do you see? What do you see? You know, the Lord has told me many, many times, and it doesn't make any sense. I've been in business, and I know how to run books. We had QuickBooks in business. And when there was no sales or money, you couldn't pay bills unless you took out a loan. So we tried to do things as frugally as possible, you know, so we kept the the money flow going. All that stuff was flowing great in our business. We, We had a good business. When things were tight, we just tightened down a bit. But in the kingdom, it's a little different. It's how you view things. And the Lord has told me many times, he said, it's healthy to put a holy tension on the finances of the church. He said, in the kingdom, it's different. It's good to put a little holy tension on the finances of the church. In other words, if you get an abundance, you better spend it. Now that sounds really, really uh, like a poor manager. What he's saying is, not spend it, I said the wrong word. He said, you better invest it in missions. You better invest it in the poor. You better invest it into somebody that's struggling and put a little holy tension and learn how to live by faith. And when you learn how to do that, it's like exercising a muscle and that muscle gets very, very large. It becomes very strong. It's how you view money. What do you see? Do you see a 20 or do you see your future? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? I like on here it says in God we trust. I hope they never take that off there. If they ever take it off, I'm gonna write it on every bill that I get. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a stamper that just just you know, I'll go to the bank, give me a thousand one dollar bills, <laughs> and then just give them back. In God we trust. What do you see? This this, this the Lord gave me a word one time. Now this is a super skinny bill. He said, look at that bill. I said, okay, I'm looking at it. It was actually a $1 bill at the time. And uh, he said, what do you see? I said, I see a $1 bill. He said, well, what do you see? I said, I see a $1 bill. He said, what do you see? I said, a $1 bill. He said, look again. I looked again. He said, what do you see? I said, a $1 bill. He said, you're not seeing it. I said, Lord, I'm not seeing what you're saying. And I mean, you ever have a conversation with God? He asks you a question because he knows you don't know the answer. He's waiting for you to go, oh. So I said, well, what do you see, Lord? He said, I see a pregnant dollar. I said, a pregnant dollar? And then it hit me. I said, okay, I'm looking at money differently. So now when I think of a $20 bill, I'm thinking I can eat a cheeseburger, and sometimes we need to, or I can buy, you know, 200 pounds of rice in India... And now God will begin to supply me back, uh, you know, begin to bring increase into my life because I bless someone else. And how does it happen? I don't know, but I give. And the Bible, it says, "Give and you shall be given." Now we're not going to take up a special offering at the end, okay? So just relax, <laughs> just just relax. Everybody gets nervous. They're like, "Oh Lord, oh God, oh God, I, I got to run in my truck quick and leave my wallet under the seat." <laughs> Oh, people are sweating. Oh, Oh, Lord. No, we're not going to do that. But every dollar is pregnant. And when we begin to have a supernatural understanding of money, then we see in God's system, there's a system called reciprocity. Say reciprocity. That means when you do something, there's a reaction that occurs. When I do something, there's a reaction that occurs. And when I'm claiming, uh, you know, an increase in my finances, but I'm not willing to take a step and sow into something. I'm not opening up that venue of that spiritual law that brings the increase. Does that make sense? He says, give and it shall be. Okay. Now let's, let's put that through a different lens. God, I just need. There's no rest of the verse there. God, I just need. There's no rest of the verse there. Give and it shall be given unto you. I remember when we were in college, um, we would put aside, my wife and I, you know, we didn't have any money. I mean, we just, uh, yeah. And when I gave this example in college, I used only a quarter of a dollar, you know, because the rest I had to keep for food. Um, but no, it was tight. It was super, super tight. But we always had enough, you know. And we were always thankful. We ate those really good pizzas called Totoni's or titinos or whatever. It's a horrible pizza. But we ate it and we put like ketchup on it. And we put like anything we could. It was like, hey, pizza night. Ooh, Rejoice in faith, you know. Lord, please, when we put this in our mouth, let it taste good, oh God. We, we, uh, we made things stretch. We did. We ate lots of things that were cheap. And, uh, you know, if we could go to the restaurant for a, a date, we'd go to the cheapest place in town. And, and, but we had fun, you know. So, yep, so we're in college. <laughs> and we decided, we decided to take an envelope, and whenever we'd get an extra dollar or two, we would put them in that envelope. And that was our giving envelope where we were gonna bless someone on campus. And we would get an extra dollar or two and we'd put it in that. And we got up to about $100 in there, which we thought was like, you know, we were ready to buy a Ferrari. And the Lord, we'd pray about, whenever it got to a certain amount, we'd pray and the Lord would tell us who to give it to. Isn't that fun? It is really fun. And it taught us the power of giving and, and that God was actually involved in that. So we would be praying and I think the Lord uh, would speak in, to her or would speak to me. A lot of times he'd speak to her because he likes her better. And uh, so um, the Lord spoke to us one time and he said, give it to this family that's on campus. They lived in this little tiny house, uh, little campus house. And so we went and knocked on their door. And we brought our envelope, you know, it was so precious. I think we had armed guards around us and we were taking that envelope. And we knocked on their door and the, the wife came to the door and we said, Hey, um, we were just praying and we felt like we were supposed to give you this. It's not a lot, but, you know, I hope it blesses you. It's, it's $100. And she said, Oh, no, no, we, we no, th- thank you, thank you for your generosity, but no, you know. And she shut the door. And about, 20 seconds later, she opened the door. She said, wait a minute. She said, this is very hard for me to receive gifts. But she said, I've been praying all day. She said, we don't have any money. And I think their electric bill or something was due and they were gonna, something was going to happen. She owed $90. So she said, I was praying that someone would give us the exact amount, but it wasn't the exact amount but she thought, thought, well, this is God's provision. And she said when she went to grab the door, the Lord reminded her she took $10 out of her son's piggy bank that week or the week before, so it came to $100. She She was super excited. So she took the money anyways. Isn't that fun? And God would bless us. Now, we didn't do it just for that blessing, but we did it because there was a need, and God loves to meet needs. Amen? It's called the love of Jesus. So uh, a dollar is pregnant, and if I invest it, it reaps a benefit. Amen? A dollar is also a love gift from God. If you find somebody that's a single mother, she's struggling, she can't pay her bills, she's going to lose her apartment, and you come with a love gift that looks like money and you say, hey, I love Jesus, but I heard you're struggling, and you pay her rent, what happens to her life? Her heart opens up to the gospel, amen? Because a lot of people can be nice and wave and say hi, or hey, I'm praying for you, but when love looks like something, the heart opens. Amen? All right. So I love supernatural stories. I want to give you a couple of supernatural stories. There was an evangelist, David Walker. I preached about him last year, David Walker, little David Walker, he was, he was mightily of God. Many, many powerful evangelists came out of his ministry, like William Branham and many others, David Walker. Well, when he was young, he learned faith from his dad, who was an evangelist. And back then, that was the Great Depression era, uh, really poor. And he said they were traveling around, and his dad just knew how to pray through financial crisis. And he said one time after another, after another, when they would come into financial crisis, he'd get on his knees and he'd pray until his beard would shake. He had this long, hairy beard, you know. And uh, he said as a kid, he would always know when dad was in the spirit because he would just start to bounce and his beard would shake. So he knew he'd get in contact with God. So funny, a kid's perspective. So they're driving through Arizona and they're way out in the middle of nowhere and they have a flat tire. Now, here's how... uh, they traveled. There were six kids in a car. He, he bought a hearse that a funeral home didn't want anymore. He converted it into a little camper rig, ugly as can be. So he's driving through Arizona with all his kids and his wife, and uh, they have a flat tire. What do you do? Now, in the natural, you just panic. No cell phones, no nothing. So he said his dad didn't fret, didn't get upset, He gets out of the vehicle. He's staring at that. He's thinking, what am I going to do? So he goes off. He goes up to the, there was a little curve in the, there was a little hill there. So he goes up and he's standing there for a long time. And he said he got excited because he's seen his beard begin to bounce. He said, I knew my dad just got a hold of the Lord. And his dad, just like that, abruptly turns and he walks off into the desert. And he's gone for about a half an hour. Well, they started to panic. They were wondering, where did dad go? So after about a half an hour, all of a sudden, dad comes back, and he's pushing a tire through the sand. The Lord spoke to him and said, somebody dropped, you know, they they dumped their garbage out there, and there was a tire in the midst of it. He goes off in the desert by a word from a word from God, and there he finds a tire, and he brings it back. It's the exact size or his car. Isn't that crazy? Just say amen. amen. I'd like you to say this. Say supernatural, supernatural provision. Another story he told. I love this. He said his dad, again, was a praying man. He said he just didn't worry a lot. So he's, there, there they are in the, the big ugly hearse. They're driving, going down through Phoenix or somewhere. And all of a sudden his dad, it's around lunchtime. His dad is compelled to go into the city. Doesn't tell anyone, he just goes. Goes down to the left, goes down to the right, goes straight ahead, goes way down, gets into a little suburb area, and he pulls up to a house. He gets out, a lady walks out of the house. His dad goes back in the car and says, wait here. He said, God has dinner for us. He has lunch ready for us. He walks up to the lady. The lady says, I've been praying all day and the Lord gave me your name, gave me the number of children that you have. And she said, lunch is on the table. The dinner, the table is set. They usher the kids in. There it is. The table is all set. The right amount of plates, silverware. And he said, it wasn't just some sloppy lunch. It was a great lunch and God blessed him. He said, I never forgot that the rest of my life. You see, God can provide, amen? amen? So many times we put them in a box and we think, you know, mathematically, they always say in, on the news, trust the science. You know what? Heck with science. I want to trust the Lord. Yeah. Good job. Good job. I, I, science is good, but science also said that we came from monkeys. If they are monkeys, if we came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Yeah. I just don't get that stuff. I would rather have faith in God. I would rather have confidence and faith in God when it comes to the end of the month and I don't have enough money for the month. What do you do? You step back, you get into the spirit, you get a hold of God until your beard bounces, amen? You get a word, you act on that word, and God opens a door to supernatural provision. It's not a natural life, it's a supernatural life. You with me? I'd like you to go to Philippians 4.10. Philippians 4.10. I like this story at the beginning. Africa it is. Philippians 4.10. You ready? We're going to go all the way to 19. It says here, I rejoice greatly. This is Apostle Paul. (coughs) Excuse me. Apostle Paul in prison struggling. How many here have ever been in a dungeon prison in the Middle East? In those types of prisons, if, they, if you don't have friends or family bring you food, you die. Or you learn to steal. It's really bad. There are still prisons like that today. That if you don't have family bring you that provision, you're going to die. And that's the way it is. And that's the way his was. So keep that in mind when you're reading this. Here he is, Paul. He had been blessed. He'd been all over the the known world. The power of God, raising the dead, you name it. God has moved mightily on this man. He was an apostle. He was God's man. And now he's in prison. Now keep this in mind, this setting. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying that because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. And Paul did. He was so mature. He's like, little lack today? Hey, I'm good. God's going to take care of me. It's just a day. God's going to come through. There's a maturity that happened in him. And he says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. We all need to be content. Amen? Amen. Yes, we could have a better job one day. That's great. But you have the job you have today, so be content. Be content. Twelve. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, say secret, of being content in any and every situation. He learned a secret. The world doesn't have your secret. You live with different rules. When I know that things are tight and financially things are upside down, I don't panic and go off in the woods and pout I just know I need to fast and pray. It'll work. It'll happen. God will come through. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not like, well, maybe we need to rob a bank. No, I know that I need to get a hold of the one that has the ultimate provision. That's it. God, speak to me. Give me a word. I'll do it. When I take that act of obedience, the door will open and we'll get past this thing. It's a different way of thinking. I know what it is to be in need and to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through Him that gives me strength. What was the secret? The secret was knowing God intimately. To know God intimately. He knew that God was going to take care of him. He knew the story of Moses in the wilderness when he prayed and God began to give manna, when God began to give uh, water from a rock, when God began to do the holy air conditioning and uh, heat at night through a a fire uh, that would appear. He knew those stories. He learned contentment. What is he saying? He said, I learned faith in God. I don't know how. We get stuck with that. Well, I got to figure this out. There's nothing wrong with using our mind. Nothing wrong with, with understanding these things. But... We have to understand that we serve a God that is so much higher and bigger and and his thinking is so outside of our understanding. We don't understand what he understands. So we have to dive in and and have some blind faith sometimes saying, God is bigger than this. And I don't know how this is going to come around, but you watch at the end of the day, at the end of the year, everything the devil has stolen, I'm going to get sevenfold back. Amen? I don't know how. But it's going to happen, and I'm going to tell my friends, so they can laugh at me now and then they can marvel later. Amen. Well, let's keep going. Verse 13, "I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You have tremendous strength. And sometimes that strength goes dormant. Our faith goes to sleep. We need to stir it up. Verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. What is he saying? He's saying it was good of you to get into a discomfort. Sorry. It was good for you to feel some discomfort getting out of your houses and coming to me to sow into my need. That's what he's saying. You came, you brought provision to the prison. It was good for you. How can that be good for them? He says it was good of you to share in my troubles. When you see somebody poor in your neighborhood and they can't afford a new jacket, it's good for you to help that person. It's good for me? Oh, yeah. It's good for you to help that person. If you have faith in God, if you understand the Bible, if you understand His principles of reciprocity, when I sow into the poor, I'm actually... I'm, I'm in line to receive back. Amen? Amen? We do it because we love God. We love people. But God says, when you do this, you're going to reap a benefit. Verse 15. Moreover, as you Philippines, uh, sorry, Philippians, <laughs> as you Filipinos know, <laughs> Jeff, we're preaching to you. Jeff's in the Philippines right now. I got lost in the Philippines, okay. <laughs> Moreover, verse 15, are you there in your Bible? Yeah. Right up your, in your Bible, circle on, you know. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, so when they first got saved, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Not one helped Paul in his trouble. That's really sad. Except you. Say, except me. See, this church gives a lot to missions. During COVID, we gave more to missions, I think, than we ever had in the history of the church. You know, when you compare year to year. That's amazing. That's a compliment to you. He said this, except you. Verse 16, look in your Bible. Please look in your Bible. For even when I was in, I'm sorry, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So these people had a revelation that it was their responsibility to give into needs. And he's commending them. Now watch what happens here. He's saying it was really good for you to do that. Now verse 17 And and again, Paul's saying, hey, God's going to take care of me either way, but it was so good for you to get that revelation. Now watch what's going to happen. Because they got that revelation, they're activating this this, uh, spiritual principle of reciprocity. As you give, it's going to be given back. He said it was good for you. I'll make it either way. That's fine. God will take care of me. If he's going to take that stone and turn it into bread, whatever, whatever, it's going to happen. But I want God to bless you. You ready? You, you with me on this? Yeah. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. 17, not that I desire your gifts. See? See? Not that I desire your gifts. When we give a, take up a missions offering, it's not that they desire your gifts. They need it. That's good. It's going to pay their bills. But they know that God's going to do it. But he says this. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. He's saying, I'm trying to teach you something. If you can learn this principle, you will never go in need. You'll never have lack. If you can understand this principle, here's Paul. Paul, the apostle, Paul, I would say he's an authority. He wrote scripture through the Holy Spirit. He's writing to them. He's saying, you gave, but he said, that was great to give into my need, but what you didn't understand, that it was actually for you. He wanted to prosper that church. He wanted to prosper those people. So he said, uh He said that it was accredited to your account. you with me? 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. See, how do you know you're under the blessings of God because you have more than enough? Does that mean uh, a, a brand new car every year? No, that could be, that's fine. But what it means is I have more than enough. The Lord told me when I took this church, I resigned from our, uh, my career in the software industry. Uh, that was a, a good business, a good industry. Uh, I had a lot of job offers, actually, at that time, and uh, we were praying about things, and I resigned from there. I'm just telling you the truth. We took the church. We had an average attendance, about 25 people at that time. It was really a hard time. No budget, no nothing, but the Lord said, if you do this, you will never lack a penny. That's what he said. So when things get tight, I just lean back. I remember I opened an armrest in my car. When I did, I looked down, three pennies in there. And the Lord said, if you take this church, you will never lack a penny. And from that time, there was little to no budget in the church. There was little to no uh, savings in the church. We had given most of the savings away as a gift to the previous pastor. And there we are. We have a word from God. We have a vision of three pennies. And that's our payment, and we have not lacked a penny ever since. Amen. Amen. He said, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is more be credited to your account. Verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. Say, I have more than enough. (laughs) Amen. I am amply supplied. Now, he's talking from prison. He had so much in prison, I'm sure he's sharing it with the inmates. They're, they walk by his cell, they're like, holy cow, what in the world is going on here? You know, he's, he's got enough blankets and he's got enough things, he's giving them away in there. And, and uh, God had blessed him even in prison. Isn't that good? Now, this is so good. He said, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus uh, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. They are a... Ah." You ever walk in a farm, in a barn that hasn't been cleaned in a long time? That's not what we're talking about. They used to use incense in the tabernacle. And they'd had a beautiful smell of frankincense. And I buy uh, anointing oil, and I always try to get the smelly stuff. You know what I mean? This fragrance, uh, the, the, like the, the frankincense and, and myrrh and some of those other things. You open that up, and you're like, ah, oh, That That feeling is what our giving gives to God. You know what I'm saying? Your neighbor, you see him struggling. He doesn't have gas money to get to the store. And you go over and you give him $20. What you're doing is you're releasing a fragrance unto the Lord. And he goes, ooh, yes. It's a fragrance. You tip the guy well at the the, uh, restaurant. And you put Jesus loves you and so do I. And you leave a good tip. It's a fragrance that goes up to God. I thought it was just a tip. It's not just a tip. It's a pregnant tip, and it leaves a fragrance in the, in the nostrils of God. And he's very pleased by that. Are you guys okay? I am amply supplied now that I have received from da-da-da-da-da. And it's, very, it's a, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God, this is, this is the, we all quote this scripture. And if you don't, you need to. This is a a, a promise that was given to you from the Holy Spirit. Now, who is it to? It is to the one that has been sowing into Paul's ministry. Remember, he said a lot of people weren't doing anything. They weren't giving to the poor. They weren't helping out their neighbor. They weren't doing good things. But he said, but for you, you gave in abundance And he said, it was good for your account. Now look at what he's saying, the promise to the ones that are activating reciprocity in their life. This is what he says. He said, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. So if you don't do nothing, you can't expect nothing. Amen? So when you have a few extra bucks and you walk out of Walmart and they're ringing the bell, Instead of doing this, <laughs> give a buck, give $2. It's pregnant money and it's a sweet offering unto God. And the Lord says, I saw that and it smelled wonderful. I smelled wonderful. You ever sit by someone that has like really good cologne and you're like, I don't know who they are. Man, they smell good. Good Lord. The Lord thinks of you and he goes, Man, he smells good. Good Lord. Right? And my God, I'd like you to circle this in your Bible. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you see the the picture here? So many times when we're broke as a joke and we have learned through the media, we've learned through movies, we've learned through bad ways of thinking. Someone has has discipled us in a very poor way where all we know is that the state owes me, the government owes owes me, everybody owes me, everybody owes me. They owe me a life, they owe me food, they owe me, they owe me. And God's like, you can stay in that cycle your whole life if you want to. But when you start looking at a dollar bill and saying, I'm going to use this as a sweet fragrance unto the Lord. I'm going to begin to invest into others. And I'm going to invest into my own prosperity. Say amen. Amen. You start saying, God, I'm going to sow into people, but I'm going to expect wisdom from you to to get out of this pit. I'm going to ask you to put me next to influential people that can train me on how to be a carpenter, train me how to move from the mud to the palace. Amen? God will do that. As you sow into others, God will begin to sow into you. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church today. When you get this, it changes your whole life. So now when you have that leftover change in your car, you're like, I'm going to create a sweet fragrance unto the Lord today. And you go up to Walmart, you go to the bell ringers, and you just dump a whole bunch of change in there that was just going to roll around in your car anyways. And God says, that's a sweet fragrance unto me. I'm going to put you in alignment for some blessing. You ever see people that it seems like God is always blessing them? No matter what they do, they're going to get blessed. Oh, they might go through a little valley here and there, but overall, their life is blessed. Follow them and see what they do. They understand this principle. They understand. Give and it shall be given unto you. Do nothing and nothing shall happen to you. Oh, but grace, God has given me every blessing. God is, you know, come on, let's, oh, I have it all. The Lord's like, no, I'll, I'll take care of your meager needs so you don't starve to death. But if you want to begin to move out so you can begin to bless others, then you need to start taking some steps. You know, to be blessed on a high level, you need to have a high vision. uh, God spoke to Abraham and he said this. If you remember in the Old Testament, you guys remember Abraham? What was his wife's name? Sarah. God spoke to Abraham and he said this. He said, get out of your tent and go look at the sky. He said, get out of your tent and go look at the sky. Now, some are going to get this and some are going to think I'm just repeating myself. He said, get out of your tent and go look at the sky. Okay, this group over here is so much more spiritual than the rest. He said to Abraham, he said, get out of your tent and go look at the sky. If he would have stayed in the comfortable tent, he would have never looked at the sky you don't always know what he's up to. But when he begins to tell you to do something, you don't know what the benefit is sometimes. So he gets out of his comfort zone. You know, he's got his chihuahua on his lap. Puts the chihuahua down, puts the cat down. Some other furry creature. Puts his slippers on. He's like, all right, Lord, time to get out of my comfort zone. And he opens the tent door, and he says, I'm going to take a, a journey with the Lord here. Sarah, just stay here. I'm going to go talk to the Lord. He goes out, out of the tent, and the Lord says, look up, and it's a bright, starry night. And he goes, wow, he's captivated by these stars in the sky. And the Lord speaks to him, and he says this. He says, look up, and he said, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. And he, he had a hard time getting it. And then later the Lord spoke to him again. He said, your descendants are going to be like the the sand on the seashore. And after a season, the Lord finally worked with him until faith filled his heart. And he realized that he had destiny in his life. He was 90 some years old and he went back and he told his wife and she laughed. He's like, you're going to get pregnant. Sometimes, God's blessing on your life looks so impossible that all you have is a word and you choose just to hang on to that word. And you choose to hang on to that word. And you choose to hang on to that word. And you tell all your friends they're laughing. You hang on to that word. All your friends are laughing and you hang on to that word. You're in a pickle. You don't know how to get out. They're all mocking you. Oh, yeah, where's your God? You hang on to that word. And you know what? Sarah got pregnant. Sarah got pregnant. Nobody's laughing anymore. It was the hand of God. He held on to the promise. He's seen the stars. He'd go out and look at those stars and say, someday I'm going to have descendants that wrap all around this this planet. I'm going to have descendants that wrap around this whole planet. Someday, Sarah, we're going to have descendants. (laughs) How many descendants now? You know, you're a descendant of Abraham. guys Okay. You hang on to that word, and that word in due time, in due season, as you hang on and you do what God told you to do, you're going to reap a harvest. We have to have a vision that's greater than ourselves. Sometimes when we're praying that God would multiply our business and grow our, our business, or you're working in a factory, and you're like, God, I want to be a manager here. I want to make three times what I'm making. God, I want to do it so I can help Julius Marar in India. I want to grow so I can expand my giving to the Lord to touch the world. I want to grow so I can win thousands of people to Jesus. I want to grow. See, you have to have a vision greater than just your own self. And that gets the attention of heaven. So if we want to grow as a church, or I'm sorry, if we want to just have a nice big building, we're going to build that thing. We're going to say, yeah, that's it. Man, we're going to have a nice building. We're going to have a place where the kids can play, and that's good. And the Lord's like, that's all nice. But when you start saying, God, we're going to take the nations. We're going to raise up teams. We're going to send out evangelistic teams. They're going to go all over the world. We're going to win our community to Jesus Christ. It's going to be a training center. It's going to be a place where families can get healthy, and those families can go out and win their friends. And in, in due time, we're going to change this entire region for Jesus Christ because of your blessings on that building. Amen. Amen. You see it? You know you can't build something until you see it. Look at the stars in the sky. When you look at that building, don't look, you know, when you think of that building, don't begin to just say a church building. Say a training center that's going to touch the whole world. That God's going to do something in this next generation that's so big, so powerful, and we're like, God, if that's my little part, I want to be a part of it. You have to have a vision larger than yourself. Oh God, I want to break through financially so I can drive a Corvette, and that's about it. <laughs> the Lord's like, okay, that's nice. And then the guy next to him is praying. He's saying, God, I want to be blessed. So I can take teams overseas, and I can win people. I can dig a well, and I can have fresh water to this community, and then we can win them all to Jesus Christ through this thing. But God, it takes money to get there. And God's like, I can help you with that. Do do you see? That's called kingdom vision. You have to have a vision, a purpose larger than yourself. Now, you can work hard and build wealth. That's good. That's a natural way. But if you want supernatural provision, we have to look at the world through the lens of faith, through the lens of what the scriptures say. And then we begin to invest deep into others, into the community, into the church. And then we see God begin to bring supernatural provision into your life. Am I preaching to anyone here today? Okay. All right. We have 10 points. That's the first point. (laughs) So he said in that scripture, he said, contentment, first of all, we need to be thankful. Lord, thank you. Number two, when we give, we receive. That's called triggering a supernatural law. That's called reciprocity. As I give, God gives back. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what he said. He set up the rules. Amen? So when I look at a dollar bill and I give it to a waitress, I am given a dollar bill that's pregnant, and it's a good, sweet offering to the Lord, and it's going to come back to me. That's just good thinking. Number three, it said that you have a heavenly account. It says it's good uh, uh, to your account, remember? He said, it's good for you to do these things. You have a heavenly account. And in the Greek there, there are three accounting terms that are used in that scripture in verse 17. It says that you may profit, that you might increase, and that uh, you have an account. So God keeps track of that stuff in heaven. I don't know how he does it. But he says that you can profit, that you can increase, and that you have a heavenly account that He keeps track of. I want to have a business one day? Then do it. Get a vision from the Lord. Pray and fast. When He begins to burn it in your heart, you begin to see it before you see it, you know that faith is on it. Some people say, well, I want to have a, you know, I want to be a great prophet. I want to be a great evangelist. I want to be a great teacher. I want to be... Okay, then apply reciprocity to that as well. You want to be a great evangelist? Then on your time off, go downtown and win people to Jesus. You win people to Jesus and tell the Lord, finally says, I can't take it anymore. I need to move him to the next level. But when we just sit back and do nothing and expect God to rain down upon us, it isn't Scripture Well, the state should take care of me. Well, the you know, neighborhood should take care of me. Well, the school should take care of me. Well, they should. That's not how God works. In the parable of the talent, the one that did nothing, the Bible says that the master looked at him and said, thou wicked and lazy servant. And he took what he had and he walked over to the wealthy guy and he said, here you go. You're a man of motion. You get stuff done. Right. That is counter-socialism. God loves busy people. The Bible says that a lazy man, it says poverty will hunt down a lazy man. That's a strong word. Well, you're 95 years old. I can't do much anymore. You can pray for people. You can write letters to people and encourage them, send out things of encouragement. You can call people and encourage them. There's lots to do in the kingdom of God. Yeah. All right. You guys okay? This thing, when we have faith in God, anything is, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. The Bible says in Psalms thirty-seven nineteen. it says, In the time of evil they will not be ashamed, And in the days of famine, they will be satisfied. In times of disaster, they will not wither. And in the days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. They will enjoy plenty. What is he saying there? He's saying you do not live with the same rules that your neighbor lives with. He's saying when you walk upright with him, you have faith in him. You're taking steps. You're activating those spiritual laws. He said you have nothing to worry about. Come on. Yeah. All right. I need to wrap this up, but I love the Old Testament. When I need the encouragement, I read the Old Testament. I love the stories. You have a poor woman. She doesn't know what to do. She's going to eat her last cake and die. The Bible says a prophet stops by. God sent him over there. He says, hey, instead of eating that cake, give it to me. It's almost repulsive when you read that story. Woman, she's going to die with her child. Make that cake, but don't you eat it. You give it to me. Isn't that just disgusting? I could see CNN. Elisha goes down and sees the poor woman. Took her last meal. What a sicko. MSNBC, see, we've been warning you all these years. About those crazy charismatics stealing money from a poor lady. Now, let's see what happens. Then they say, well, we're not going to tell you the rest of the story. (laughs) It activated this thing of reciprocity. And then when she would go to get oil and flour, it never ran out until the famine ran out. She could have ate that last cake and said, no, thank you, sir. We're going to eat it and die. And God would have just went on to the next place. Do you see? It is good. There's another poor woman. Same thing. They're in a pickle. You ever been in a pickle? God sends a man of God over again. He says, well, you know, she tells him what's going on. He said, go and get all the vessels you can you're going to make me work? Yep. Go get all the vessels you can. I'm a poor person. I'm going to die. They're going to come and arrest my children and put them into slavery. I've got nothing. They're going to make him work and you're going to make us work so he doesn't have to work? Yep. So they go through the whole neighborhood and they find all the vessels and they bring in the vessels. And he says, you got a little oil? And he says, she says, I do. She said, that's all I got. That's all I got left in this whole world. I got a little bit of oil. That's all I have, just a little bit of oil. That's all I have, just a little bit of oil. He said, I want you to take what you have, and I want you to start pouring. Just start pouring. She goes, this makes no sense. This is stupid. He said, I said, just pour. She starts to pour, and out a little teeny vessel, she fills a large vessel. He says, that's good. Get the next one. And she keeps pouring until every vessel that they went and got became full. And he said, now take that oil and go sell it, pay off your debts, and live in blessing. Now, if she would have said no, she would have missed it. But she stepped out and gave what she had and began to pour, and God never turned the spigot off until she was done. I could tell you about Jacob, how God blessed him, how Peter, God taught him He said, to hear the voice of God, remember? He said, cast your net on the other side. He said, I'll do it only because you said. He heard he did it and he received from that. He could have just stiffened himself. You see, we need to humble ourselves before God. Do things his way and not our way. And we will reap a massive harvest. God wants to fund the kingdom of God again and reach the world for Jesus. Amen? All right. That's probably enough. I didn't even get into my my prayer yet on how to break this thing, you know. We'll do it again someday. I've got I got ten points that I need to give someday and I get almost there and then I run out of time. So Okay. Are you getting anything out of this? It's true. We love signs and wonders and miracles. We've seen wonderful things through the years. I've seen uh, two blind people in my life. We prayed for them. God healed their eyes. They were seeing, they could shop by themselves. We've seen ears healed. We've seen wonderful things through the years. Metal disappearing, you name it. We get excited for that. But one thing God wants to release in the faith, in the church, all those things, we need to come to another level. But this area of finance, God wants to bring balance. He wants, to, he wants his saints to be well-equipped. Amen? But you can't get it from just begging. It is triggering things. And God says, I'm going to put spiritual laws there. And when they activate them, then they'll reap the blessing. And it's up to us to reap by sowing. Does that make sense? All right. It's a sweet fragrance under the Lord. Let's stand up. all right, we're going to take up an offering. Just kidding. <laughs> I remember Chris Ballatin one time, he preached on, uh, on, on finances or something, and, and uh, he's up there and he's talking about, you know, giving and all that, and, and about halfway through the message, big church, big, big church. The Lord says, he says, you can't take an offering. You know, he's at a place speaking at a guest church they brought him in, big church, and the Lord says, "You taught on stewardship and giving." He said, "You can't take up an offering you can't let them bless you with an offering. You can't do it because then it's going to look like you preach to gain." You get it? He's like, "Lord, it's a big church," and it was a good word. The Lord said, "Don't do it." So you know what he did? They went and here. When the guy got up to take up the offering, he said, we're going to take up a first fruits offering. We're going, to, we're going to come up with the largest offering this church has ever come up with because we're going to break the spirit of poverty off of our church and we're going to bless the man of God. He didn't know they talked about that. The Lord told them they couldn't. So they got all done. Before he left, they gave him an envelope and he said, no, I can't take that. And uh, he, uh, he gave it back to them and he said, I refuse to take that. The Lord said, I can't preach on it and then take an offering. And they said, well, you don't understand, we did a first fruits offering. This is the largest offering in the history of the church. We want to bless you. Isn't that crazy? So they gave it to missions or something and God blessed people and then God turned around and blessed him later because he was willing to do what God said. Sometimes that delayed that delayed in the fulfillment, that delay is very rewarding in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Say amen. Amen. Okay, are the Packers playing today? We need to pray for Rogers. He looks like a zombie this year, you know? What's going on? Whatever vitamins or minerals he's taking, he needs to stop. So, All right, how many want God to bless your life? All right, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would break the spirit of poverty and, uh, and all that, and I'm going to pray for increase. But what I'm going to pray is that God would give you an insight into what I'm teaching on so you can activate spiritual principles and come out of the valley. Amen? Amen. It's in your hands, and that's the beauty of this message. It's in your hands to be blessed. Come on. Amen. Amen. All right. Father, we just grab somebody, grab somebody's hand. It's a good family. We love our family. We love the church family. We love the people watching online. Just grab somebody's hand. I don't like people doing life alone. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is true. And father, I pray that you'd give us such a revelation of this, this, Uh, spiritual principle of reciprocity. And Father, that when we sow into the poor, when we sow into our neighborhoods, when we sow into missions, when we sow into the church, when we sow into others, God, that it's a sweet fragrance unto you. That it begins to put things into motion that you can, like Paul said, it's good to your account. Father, give us a revelation that when we sow into others, it's in love, but it does reap a harvest. And when that harvest comes, it gets greater and greater and greater as we do this more and more. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that even uh, the great evangelist uh, J. Oswald Smith says that we can go. He said uh, he says uh, it was the law of continual blessing. There's no end to it. So, Father, I pray that you'd release a revelation of reciprocity, God, yes. that we can show the world the love of Jesus thank you. Yes. through a simple thing of finance. Yes. Oh, God, I pray that you'd break a poverty spirit off every one of us and give us kingdom thinking. Yes. Yes. And, Lord, we thank you ahead of time for supernatural provision. Yes. Lord, we're going to look at life different. We're going to look at dollars different. We're going to begin to believe for things we never thought or dreamt that we could. We thank you, God. From now on, we look at the stars. We look at the sands of the seas. And we see unlimited potential in our future. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I need the ministry team to come up here. If you're struggling financially and you want a breakthrough, this team's going to pray for you. And I think God's going to bring a new day. If you need healing or deliverance or a word from God, come up, let them pray for you, and God's going to touch you. Amen? Invest that time. Come up and receive prayer. God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.